and welcome to The Worst Best Sellers, where we read about mid-century camera equipment so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read The Bridges of Madison County by Robert James Waller. Joining us to discuss the Fifty Shades of Grey of the 90s is Liette, writer and middle-aged housewife. Hello. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. First of all, I suggested this book, and I want to apologize for that. (laughs) You know, here's what I liked about this book. It was very short. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It did not take long to read. I didn't feel like I had wasted much of my life. Also, uh, I've mentioned on previous podcasts this summer, I went on on a long road trip with my friend Anna, where we went to Forks, Washington, and we listened to the selection audiobooks, and all kinds of podcast related things happened on this trip. And also, we drove past the bridges of Madison County, because we drove through Iowa, and we both saw the sign, and we we're both people who are, like, very prone to stopping at, like, any roadside attraction whatsoever. But we saw that, and we're like, oh, like, that movie, should we go? Do you want to go? And we are both like, no, I don't care at all about that. <laughs> and this was, you know, before we had, I had known we were going to do this book for the podcast. And if I had known that, I probably would have at least stopped to take a picture of the sign or something, just to, like, tweet it later. But we didn't stop, and now having read this book, I still just feel like we made the right decision. I'm like, <laughs> don't care at all. <laughs> I just I just feel like this isn't a book. This is like an idea that someone had, and they were like, maybe I'll turn it into a book. And then they realized it was too short, so they filled all of the space with nonsense. Yeah. I don't know. And then, uh, so of course, this is also... A pretty, pretty famous movie and less famous Broadway musical. Uh, I had never seen the movie, haven't seen the musical. I didn't really know what this was about. And then when I read it, I was like, oh, well, it's not really about anything. But it's <laughs> it's not what I thought it would be. Uh, have you guys seen the movie? No. No. All right. I heard one <laughs> song from the musical. I mean, Meryl Streep's in the ago. movie. I would bet the movie is better than this book. I did look it up. It had 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. So it did get good reviews. Whereas in the articles that I read about this book, when I was getting ready to read it, basically every single one of them called it, like, critic the book critically reviled. <laughs> so <laughs> I read uh, one article about like when it hit its third year on the New York Times bestseller list, they asked a, a bookseller why she thought it was popular, and she basically said, "Well, it's short." <laughs> yeah, I would bet a lot of book clubs read this book because they were like, "Oh, yeah, I heard about that. It's short. Great." Um, I guess yes. we should maybe say what this was about, in as much as it was about anything. Which, first of all, it was about a character named Robert, who is a writer and photographer. Written by a writer also named Robert. And the character of Robert is just, like, so... If if he were a woman, he would be a Mary Sue. Um, he's good <laughs> yes. at everything. Like, he can't be tamed. All the women love him. But he's just, like, has an inner sadness that just keeps him traveling because he can't find what he's looking for. And uh, also, I've said this about characters before... I'll say it again right now. He's definitely a lizard person. (laughs) Uh, You're not wrong. He's, it's so, I, I just, this is a book written by a man to appeal to women, but he's, I don't think he's ever met a woman or had a conversation with one. He's heard about him. <laughs> yeah. He's heard about There's... him in lizard people training school. <laughs> There's a whole section where it's just his mother monologuing on what an otherworldly child he is. And I was like, no human woman has ever said that about any child. (laughs) There's uh, (laughs) multiple points where the woman in the book, Francesca, is it Francesca or that's it, right? That's how you pronounce that name. Okay. So there's multiple times where she like, and I, we've commented on this before. It happens a lot in books written by men, but I feel like it's especially bad in this, where she just, like, looks at herself in the mirror, and she's like, not too bad. I got my high, firm breasts and, like, <laughs> my hips and, like, 
Not not too bad what I got going on here. All right. Like that's that's the weirdest thing. Like women don't do that. Attention men and lizard people, women don't do that. Especially after having two kids. <laughs> I mean, the fact that the words stretch marks didn't appear anywhere in her description of herself is just he's clearly never seen a woman ever. <laughs> So let's um let's go through the book. It is as we said very mercifully short and not much happens. So uh this should be pretty quick. The story actually starts with Robert the author of the book meeting with Francesca's children who have written him and told him that they have an amazing story that they can only tell him in person. Uh, so they fly out to see him to tell him this story and he's so moved that he starts researching and they fly out multiple more times to tell him this story, which first of all, why does this need multiple trips to tell it? Because it's not really, as you will find out much of anything. Um, Because he had to go and find the jazz musician and he had to go to national (laughs) geographic, (laughs) but we'll get to that. (laughs) So he uh, then transitions into the actual story of Robert Kincaid, the manly photographer, writer, free spirit. Who names his truck. Who's named his truck Harry. Like lizard people do. And who wants a dog. (laughs) (laughs) Who wants a dog, but then like maybe thinks like, I don't need a dog, and thinks about that for like three pages of no consequence. Um, And he is a photographer a freelance photographer who's mostly working for National Geographic because it pays the bills and he just doesn't have the energy to follow his bliss and make a living off of it because there's something inside of him that can't settle down. It's a lizard. (laughs) (laughs) He's been hired by National Geographic to photograph these covered bridges in Madison County, Iowa. So he goes out there and while he's he can find seven of them very six of them very easily and the seventh he gets lost so he stops at this farmhouse to ask someone where it is and this beautiful woman in her 40s is sitting on the porch and they are instantly attracted to each other she takes him out to the bridge and then spontaneously invites him to dinner uh, her husband and her two teenage kids are at the Illinois State Fair. Which so I would just I would like to quickly interject that this makes no sense because they live in Iowa and it's the 4-H fair and 4-H is like a statewide thing. So like they should go to the Iowa State Fair in Des Moines, but he's already established that Des Moines is only like an hour away, so it would not get the kids out of the house for long enough. And I guess that was like the only possible thing he could think of to get them out of the house. <laughs> But anyway, they're there for some reason. Uh, so she invites Robert to dinner, and like there's crackling sexual tension between them, and she's really like he's so manly and has passions, and her husband, who's a farmer, is just simple and doesn't care about sex. Her and poor husband. <laughs> <laughs> and he eats meat, and she's like not really into meat, but because it's like small town Iowa where there's a lot of cattle farming, like people think that she's crazy. And but Robert's a vegetarian, and this okay, this drove me bananas because. She is, like, studying him, and, like, he's so hot, he's so hot. He looks like he doesn't eat meat. And I'm like, that is not a thing. Like, as a vegetarian, no one has ever been like, oh, what a what a sexy lady. I bet she doesn't eat meat. That's not Lizards thing. might think that. Oh, though. my God, you're right. Maybe they're both lizard people. <laughs> well, and she keeps referring – well, not her. The narrative refers to him as a cowboy. Many times, yes. and I'm thinking, what does he think cowboys do? <laughs> like... Yeah, it's like it's like being a vegetarian vampire, basically. <laughs> um, but then also, so she's like, oh, you know, I have vegetarian leanings. I'm so excited. I've never been able to cook like vegetarian food before. And then she, like, and we go like step by step through what she's cooking, and she makes just like the most basic ass vegetable soup. And like, really, like this is what you've been thwarted from cooking all these years. Oh, gosh. The entire time, too, um, that she has him in there and she's cooking for him. Basically, 
it is a running list of ways that he's better than her husband. Like she, when they moved into the house, she brought a bottle of brandy and brandy glasses because she thought maybe they could be the type of people who have a glass of brandy at the end of the night. But her, no, her husband's not like, that's a step too far for him. So the brandy has gone unopened. Her (laughs) husband always just goes to sleep in a bed at night. And Robert likes to bask in the sun on a rock for hours. <laughs> Her husband has a normal human tongue and Robert has a very long lizard tongue. <laughs> well there there is also a whole section where without asking he just decides he's going to wash himself off in the pump from out in front of her house. <laughs> like who does that? <laughs> it was a different time. But she, what like, is this that like the 60s, the 50s? I don't know, I don't care. Yeah, I think it's like, because she keeps saying what it's like, th- it was like 30 years ago, and it, she died in the late 80s, so I guess like the 50s or 60s. No, 1965, I did look it up, it's 1965, it all happens in. Mm. Okay. Oh yeah, because uh, her husband likes the Beatles. But, yes. Yeah. He thinks they're a little out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but like, the, the funniest thing about him cleaning himself in the pump for me was that she's in the bathroom I don't think she's in the or she is she's getting ready to take a bath and she's like oh I should have offered to let him use the shower no that would be too intimate but him stripping down and washing himself (laughs) in her front lawn that's normal I I kind of agree though I kind of do think letting somebody use your shower is more like intimate than especially like if you're on a farm I don't know is this a midwest thing Oh, yeah. In the Midwest, we always shower outside in our pumps. <laughs> um, I do think maybe it's like a farm thing, though. I I grew up not on a farm, but farm adjacent. And there are definitely, like, you can get, like, so fucked up from farm stuff. You're like, I can't even go in the house like this. Hang on a second. And it's not, like, fully, like, stripped down and, like, take a, like, uh... Like Hugh Jackman in Australia outdoors shower, but, yeah, but this guy isn't cleaning barns. He's taking pictures of bridges, right? But yeah. I, I mean, I don't. I don't think. I don't know why I'm like defending this. <laughs> Let me take a minute to think about my life. Um, no, I don't think it's that. I think it's a combination of like that would be sort of generally an okay thing to do on a farm to like rinse yourself off outside, combined with oh, we just met and you're like a woman alone and it's 1965 and I'm not gonna just invite you to come use my shower because we haven't even had amazing mind blowing sex yet. So <laughs> okay, fair. That's fair. Anyway, that's, like, number 500 from the top of weird things in this book to me, so (laughs) let's continue. (laughs) So they have dinner, and they talk and drink, and he leaves because he has to photograph the bridge the next morning, and she runs out. She writes him a note inviting him to dinner the next night and runs out and sticks it on the bridge so he'll see it. And uh, that morning, he comes to the bridge, and he takes his photos, and after he's done, he notices the note and shoves it in his pocket and goes off and does more photographing of bridges, and then finds the note again and reads it and invites her to come out and photograph the last bridge with him because he doesn't think he'll get done till late, and then maybe afterwards they can go and um, have dinner at her place. So she does, even though he's very considerate and realizes after he's made the invitation that people in town might talk if they oh, see her with him. Right. There's that whole interlude where every single person in the small town is terrible. Yes. And they're all talking about him and how he has long hair like the Beatles. And all they those... literally have nothing to do but talk about this guy. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he's like sitting there in the diner listening to them. Yeah. It's very strange. Nobody talks to him. They just talk about him. Again, I will chime in and say this was before the internet was invented. (laughs) So I buy it. They couldn't subtweet him. They just had to whisper (laughs) to their friends next to him where he could hear. Yep. Also, I think he has really good hearing because he's a lizard person. Oh, okay. 
So they were trying to be subtle in the back of the restaurant, but... That's how I interpreted it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they photograph the bridge, and she, like, acts as his assistant. And then they go back to her house, and it turns out that she spent the day... Like, essentially turning it into, like, a sex den, where she went out and bought wine and more brandy and a new dress and new jewelry and new sandals and... Candles. Candles Mm -hmm. and, like, food to make stuffed peppers and all this stuff. And she does invite him to use the shower this time. And they have dinner and they drink and they... She turns on the radio and they slow dance and then they just go at it and start having sex like literally everywhere in the house. Yes. And like amazing sex because he knows how to have mental orgasms. (laughs) There's a lot of monologuing. I mean, I was not expecting so much talking during the sex. Yeah. Imagine... Imagine you're having sex with someone and they pause and they look at you and they say, I am the highway. I am the peregrine. (laughs) (laughs) Which, by the way, is now, that's my safe word. (laughs) He has these, like, long speeches while they're in bed. About himself. Yeah. Not about her. (laughs) Well, because he's such a lizard person. (laughs) She's so into it. <laughs> I'm just like, how? There, there can't be. Is he a good multitasker? Like, what? Okay. Yeah. How? Mm, all right. I guess if your husband only has sex with you twice a year, maybe this is okay. <laughs> Basically. Um, and after, like, I don't even think the night is done. I don't even think it's the next morning yet. And he's like, you could run away with me. And she's like, I could but I can't because of my kids. But if you asked me, I would. And he's like, well, I wouldn't ask you because I know in your heart that you would need to make the decision yourself. But like, I want to ask you, but I won't because I respect you because I'm a respectful man, respectful of women. And they go back and forth about this for a while. And essentially they're just like, whatever, we're going to have these three days while your husband's out of town. And then that'll be that. And they do. And does anything of, of, happen aside from them having sex everywhere and him talking a lot and no that's about it yeah oh he takes pictures of her yes he he makes her go out and stand in the pasture and take pictures and there's a whole lot about how she's not wearing underwear yeah and um so yeah they're only together four days and Somewhere in the beginning frame narrative, she talks about how it's her 67th birthday and none of her kids will come visit her and she's a widow, but she doesn't care because she has her own ritual. And her ritual for her birthday is she goes through all this stuff that we're going through, like the photos and like clippings that she has about Robert's other photo. Like she goes through all like her little scrapbook of Robert, basically. And that was so sad. Like, it's so depressing to me. And I'm so angry that... Because I I get, you know... I'm not saying it's the best thing, like, that your kids want your mom to just stick around out of, like, sense of duty or, like, whatever. But I get that, like, that's the choice she made and she wanted to stay with the kids and, you know, their teenagers or whatever. But once her husband dies and her kids are grown up and she just still, like, sits around and, like, sadly looks at these photos, like, she's Italian. She's originally from Italy. She could at least go back to Italy. She could do something else because that's, like, their whole connection is that she and Robert connect because they both want more out of life and they want to, like, travel and see things. Like, she's a widow. Why, why can't she go and do this now? Especially because he does get to do it. Like, yes. she inspires him to, you know, pursue his art and do the things that he's always dreamed of doing. Like, he eventually quits the National Geographic job to take the kind of photos that he really wants to take and, like, live his best life. And it's really, really sad that yeah. he gets that and she just is like, well, I made this choice, so now even after everyone's abandoned me, I will continue. I'm gonna sit in this kitchen until I die. At this yes. table, her husband <laughs> buys a new table at one point, and she's like, but you can't throw out the old one. And when he dies, he has the kids bring the old one back in because they had sex on it. 
<laughs> and like she can't she can't get rid of it and I'm it's just it's really I don't understand how this is like romantic this is just sad like sad. And, and then she finds out that he has that Robert has died and she dies two years later heavily implied just because of like a broken heart slash loss of will to live in a world that doesn't have Robert in it even though she has not like seen or had real contact with him since 1965 well when her husband a few letters but when her husband dies she makes like the most cursory attempt to find him and then she's like oh i don't want to find out he's dead and then she winds up finding out he's dead anyway like three years later yeah yeah because in his will he leaves her some letters and uh, his cameras, and then a storybook he wrote called something about Dimension Z, like traveling through Dimension Z, which is included in this book, and it's weird. Yeah. Like something a lizard person would write. (laughs) And he, like, he had, after he left, she had started subscribing to National Geographic, ostensibly to get the issue about the bridges because like everyone in town was really excited about it, but she kept the the subscription going and like collect his bylines and his articles. And that's how she figured out it was when he stopped appearing in national geographic that she was like, okay, like I wonder where he is now, but she notices in the pictures of him and like his headshots that he's wearing this necklace and she investigates it with a magnifying glass and it's a medallion with her name on it. Oh my God. Yes. Full on Nancy Drew. (laughs) And the medallion is one of the things that he leaves to her after he dies. Yeah. Because why not? It's really, it's just sad. And then when she dies, she has he also when he dies he also leaves her his cameras like the old cameras that he used to take the bridge pictures like he just saved all this shit like just like her every single thing that she touched that he had he saved and vice versa so he sends her like the cameras and the necklace and some other thing of his and the no dimension z story yeah the story that he wrote and the note that she had left him on the bridge inviting him to dinner and all this stuff. And this is all in her manila envelope of sad memories that she looks at every birthday. And when she dies, she leaves it to her children. Along with a note about all the sex she had over four days. Like, and it's, I I cannot imagine. She's like, I know this will probably seem strange because children aren't used to think of their parents as sexual beings. Like, okay, I I get where you're you're going here. But then she's like, and we had the most amazing love affair and I had so many orgasms and we had sex in the pasture and on the table and just everywhere, all over the house. And I'm not... Here's a list of all the places in your childhood home that I had sex with this strange man while you were out. And I'm not exaggerating. This sounds like something that maybe is a joke, but it literally there's just a paragraph in this letter to her children that is all the places where they had sex and then then we see the children's response to this letter and guys they think the letter is beautiful they are very moved by it they love it they can't believe it makes them realize that they've been taking their spouses for granted it makes them like reevaluate their lives at no point are they like jesus christ i ate breakfast on this table I was like, this isn't really, no, this is how, ha- oh, this is still happening. The letter is so long. It is. It's like pages. She Entire goes pages. Into intimate detail about how he, only he could make her understand all of the things in her life that she, you know, really wanted, but she could never have because she had to stay and take care of the children. Yes, she's like, like uh, I gave all this up for you guys. I hope you appreciate it now that I'm dead. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's maybe it's like just like a really long con post death guilt trip. I just uh-huh. well, it's it's literally the only interaction she has with the children in the entire book. Like you get their names, but she doesn't talk to them. She doesn't say anything about their interests. 
she doesn't mention them. And, and then she, she does sort of, like, um, yeah. she does sort of have a little bit of scorn for them while they're having the vegetarian talk because, um, they're, they're at the Illinois State Fair for whatever reason to show off their steers. And she talks about how she just can't understand how they raise these steer and they're their projects and then they eat them and she's like kind of horrified by it. <laughs> so that's mostly what we know about our kids until the very end is that right. they eat these animals even though they raise them. How dare they. And then also that they don't visit her on her birthday. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the letter was a little bit of her getting back up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just... And the other, when when Robert died, he, in his will, in addition to willing her all of this shit, asked to be cremated and sprinkled over the bridge. Yep. So she's changed her um, wishes to also, instead of being buried in the plot next to her husband, in the family plot, she also wants to be cremated and sprinkled over the bridge and people in town are horrified because I guess in the 80s you didn't get cremated in this town in Iowa and it's like really new agey I I don't know yeah I think cremation is sort of still even I this is all based on watching six feet under my (laughs) but I think a lot of people still think cremation is weird so I sort of bought that in the 80s it would be weird and especially not to be very next to your husband um, yeah. Oh, but yeah. that was partly why she had the letter be like, you guys probably think it's weird I got cremated. Well, it's because I had all this amazing sex with this guy. I hope you understand. <laughs> <laughs> and they do. <laughs> and I want my ashes to spend eternity with his and not your father. <laughs> yep. Oh, there's, I'm looking back at my notes. There was one other through line that I wanted to bring up, which is how much the author of this book hates fashion and he, like, multiple times talks about how European fashion designers are dictators and people who care about fashion are sheep. And at the same time, though, he is really into describing clothes as a way to, like, show us things about these characters. Like, you know, that he, Robert, the character, dresses differently because he just doesn't care and he doesn't, like, fit in. But, like... Her clothes are very beautiful, and she buys a new dress. Not because she cares about fashion, but just because she, like, wants to look pretty, which, like, is fashion, though. (laughs) (laughs) And then after she buys that dress, which has nothing really to do with fashion, just the thing that I remembered, she never wears it again, but won't let anyone get rid of it. And, like, she has a fight with her kids about it when they're cleaning out the closet. Well, she keeps it in her closet prominently enough that her daughter sees it. So I'm like, could you not have boxed that up? That's like your affair dress. You just left that hanging in the closet. Put it in the envelope with everything else. Jeez. (laughs) I, and then also, yeah, so, and Robert, uh, the character is so, he doesn't like television. He doesn't, you know, he, he only likes, he doesn't care about fashion or television or like basic pedestrian things. And I just, he's such a, you you know, he would be like, oh, women with their pumpkin spice lattes. And like, like this guy is in the 60s, but also I know this guy on the internet and I hate him. (laughs) And I just really wanted to make it, I like, I want Khloe Kardashian to punch him in the face. (laughs) And I think that Uh, would be fitting way for this character to die. A road trip show. With Robert Kincaid and Khloe Kardashian. Oh, where my they, God. They have to drive in that truck across the United States. It's amazing. His, his punishment is he has to photograph her. Because also he hates taking <laughs> photos of models because, like, hates fashion and, like, whatever. And, oh, my God. And there's another thing where, like, he doesn't find young women attractive because they're not, like, smart and wise like older women. Which, again, I feel like is basically just pandering to, like, the middle-aged book club crowd. But, like, okay, Robert. But so anyway, yes, he would have to just take pictures of Khloe Kardashian wearing, like, shredded jeans and a bralette and be like, I hate this. <laughs> You're not attractive at all. <laughs> and the other thing about him being like, oh, younger women aren't attractive is that every woman they talk about him having a relationship with is significantly younger than him. Like, she's, I think, only, like, five or six years younger than him. But his first, his wife who he's divorced from was, like, nine or ten years younger than him. Yeah. 
And then he has, like, this affair with this young model, too, before he meets his wife, like, when he's first starting out in photography. So despite the fact that he has all of this disdain for younger women, he only dates younger women. I mean, maybe that's that's on purpose. Yeah. But, yeah. And every woman that he's with, with the exception of Francesca like, says to him, you know, oh, Robert, like, you're so wonderful, but you're full of something that can't be tamed, like, you know, I, I, I'm so attracted to you, but I know that I could never have you, and gag me. Yep. That might just be their polite way of sending him on his way. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, I can't tame you, bye! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. So I I think is this another one like with flowers in the attic where a lot of it was like oh this one like this one scandalous like sex scene is what I'm here for do we like not that this is in any other way like flowers in the attic but we're was this a thing where people were picking up and like flipping immediately to the dog-eared like mental orgasm scene because you know, it's it, I feel like this is sort of like it seems classy enough that you could pick it up and then you're like, oh, there's like a sort of explicit sex scene in here. All right. Like is that part of this? It's I you know, and it could be I, I my sensibilities have just been ruined by modern everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because like it, it is like, very it, mild, yes. It, it's not, Yeah. Even by like romance novel standards. Yeah. But I think that's it. I think if you're like a little embarrassed to read a, a romance novel or like carry it around, but like this, it's got a bridge on the cover. It, it seems a little classy. <laughs> it's written by a dude. Yeah. Oh, big time. Mm. Like maybe. I think it's like slightly has legitimized it, and maybe that's why this was so popular. And then also, I think even though the tone is gross and like I don't like the way these like oh. You know, I only like older, experienced women. That is sort of that's not something that is often said in books. So there maybe, especially in the '90s, maybe there's something sort of like validating for. Again, like middle, like I'm not stereotyping. Like factually, middle-aged women are like the number one people who have book clubs, and I feel like maybe there's some of that playing into why this was so popular. It's kind of like how it gives me the same feeling as we were talking about with Fifty Shades of Grey, where, you know, it's garbage when we when we actually got around to talking about um, or before we got around to talking about how it was garbage. Like one of the redeeming qualities is that all of this attention is paid to Anna and to her getting off and to him, like his orgasms are basically like secondary like his goal in every one of those sex scenes in that book is to get her off which is kind of revolutionary well i sort of expected more attention would be paid to francesca and in the sex scene it's really all about robert like you i i expected that this book was my idea going into it was that this was popular because it definitely like glorified the idea of the older woman being in love and being sexual but she was like she was like a ghost of a character she was just there to be like robert you're so great and so i i'm not sure why it appealed to women really yeah the other this is nothing to do with what we're talking about but it just plot of this too is this has a problem that a lot of our books have where the pov switches from paragraph to paragraph which is even stranger because the way that it's set up at the beginning, it really seems like every chapter is going to be from a different person's point of view. Right. And the first chapter is from his point of view. And the second chapter starts out from her point of view. And then like halfway through, we pop into him thinking about her and then back. And then for the rest of the book, it's just who knows who's thinking what at any given time in any given sentence, which I expect from, I guess I I expect it more from some of the, like, more traditionally bad books that we read, but this one... They did try to build this book as literary. Yeah, Yeah. like, I... I, mm, Excellent PR job. Yeah. (laughs) Robert did give me, like, reading about Robert and reading some of the things that Robert thinks in this book, 
totally gave me Franzen flashbacks. Yes. And especially... (sighs) Okay, so Francesca was an English teacher specifically of poetry before she had kids and her husband wanted her to be a housewife. And they talk about poetry and she's like, oh my god, he knows so much about poetry. He's so good at explaining poetry to me. Like, he makes me understand poetry better than I ever did before. And it's like, girl, really? Like, you went to college? This guy's an idiot. But that, to me, like, felt very Franzen. Like, oh, here's this man to explain poetry to a woman. Thank God. Uh, That and the scene where she's looking at herself in the mirror also felt... Although I guess that's, like, any male novelist. But there were some particular things from Purity that it reminded me of that I was like, oh, this again, great. Men are the worst. (laughs) And we should ban them. Yes. But uh, until that point in time, are we ready to move on to our dramatic readings? Well, there's the epilogue. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. So there's an epilogue after all of this that shifts back to the author's point of view, where he's talking about the research that he did to learn more about Robert, the character, as opposed to Robert, the author. Um, And it led him to a photograph credit for a jazz musician and he finds hunts down the musician and finds out that he and Robert had been friends um, because Robert took photos of him and at first he thought they weren't going to be any good because he had like these old cameras and he had long hippie hair but then they were the most beautiful photographs he had ever seen so he started inviting him to the jazz club where he played and he would always request Autumn Leaves which is the song that they danced to in the kitchen And eventually he gets the whole story out of Robert about, like, this affair. And he's so moved by it, he writes a song for Robert called Francesca that he plays whenever Robert's at the club. And he plays it, oh, it's just... He's so moved that even after Robert dies, he plays it every Tuesday in his honor to remember that beautiful story. Gag me. (laughs) Okay, let's move on to our dramatic readings. (laughs) I cannot. (laughs) Oh, wait, this is... So, can I preface this by saying that this is right after he's thinking about getting a dog? (laughs) (laughs) So that's the intro. He's just been thinking about getting a dog. And then, uh, this is before he meets Francesca, then Robert uh, jumps into this as follows. It would be good to have someone... A woman, he thought, watching the smoke from his cigarette blow out over the pond. Getting older puts you in that frame of mind. But with him gone so much, it would be tough on the one left at home. He'd already learned that. When he was home in Bellingham, he occasionally dated the creative director for a Seattle advertising agency. He had met her while doing a corporate job. She was 42, bright and a nice person, but he didn't love her, would never love her. Sometimes they both got a little lonely, though, and would spend an evening together, going to a movie, having a few beers, and making pretty decent love later on. Pretty decent. She'd been around. Two marriages, worked as a waitress in several bars while attending college. Invariably, after they'd completed their lovemaking and were lying together, she'd tell him, You're the best, Robert. No competition. Nobody even close. He supposed that was a good thing for a man to hear, but he was not all that experienced and had no way of knowing whether or not she was telling the truth. But she did say something one time that haunted him. Robert, there's a creature inside of you that I'm not good enough to bring out, not strong enough to reach. I sometimes have the feeling you've been here a long time, more than one lifetime, and that you've dwelt in private places none of the rest of us has even dreamed of. You frighten me, even though you're gentle with me. If I didn't fight to control myself with you, I feel like I might lose my center and never get back. He knew in an obscure way what she was talking about, but he couldn't get his hands on it himself. He'd had these drifting kind of thoughts, a wistful sense of the tragic combined with the intense physical and intellectual power, even as a young boy growing up in a small Ohio town. When other kids were singing, row, row, row your boat, he was learning the melody and English words to a French cabaret song. Oh, Robert. (laughs) 
five hundred percent he is a lizard person. <laughs> well, there was the whole part too that I've just remembered where he didn't speak and then he started speaking in sentences. Yes. And then he could read by the time he was five years old. He could read entire books. Yep, his lizard programming just kicked yeah. in. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I'm next. This is, uh, she's come out in her affair dress, and uh, this is Robert thinking to himself. He could have walked out on this earlier, could still walk. Rationality shrieked to him. Let it go, Kincaid. Get back on the road. Shoot the bridges. Go to India. Stop in Bangkok on the way and look up the silk merchant's daughter who knows every ecstatic secret the old ways can teach. Swim naked with her at dawn in jungle pools and listen to her scream as you turn her inside out at twilight. Let go of this. The voice was hissing now. It's outrunning you. But the slow street tango had begun. Somewhere it played. He could hear it, an old accordion. It was far back or far ahead. He couldn't be sure. Yet it moved toward him steadily, and the sound of it blurred his criteria and funneled his own alternatives toward unity. Inoxorably it did that, until there was nowhere left to go, except toward Francesca Johnson. Um, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All the ladies want him. But only Francesca can have him. And here is our last dramatic reading. And it, I think, I think it explains exactly why all the women want him. I think Robert really understands what he's about. There's a certain breed of man that's obsolete, or very nearly so. The world is getting organized, way too organized for me and some others. Everything in its place, a place for everything. Well, my camera equipment is pretty well organized, I admit, but I'm talking about something more than that. Rules and regulations and laws and social conventions, hierarchies of authority, spans of control, long-range plans and budgets. Corporate power in bud we trust. A world of wrinkled suits and stick-on name tags. Hashtag, not all men are the same. Some will do okay in the world that's coming. Some, maybe just a few of us, will not. You can see it in computers and robots and what they portend. In older worlds, there were things we could do, were designed to do, that nobody or no machine could do. We run fast, are strong and quick, aggressive and tough. We were given courage. We can throw spears long distances and fight in hand-to-hand combat. Eventually, computers and robots will run things. Humans will manage those machines, but that doesn't require courage or strength or any characteristics like those. In fact, men are outliving their usefulness. All you need are sperm banks to keep the species going, and those are coming along now. Most men are rotten lovers, women say, so there's not much loss in replacing sex with science. We're giving up free range, getting organized, feathering our emotions, efficiency and effectiveness, and all those other pieces of intellectual artifice. And with the loss of free range, the cowboy disappears, along with the mountain lion and gray wolf. There's not much room left for travelers. I'm one of the last cowboys. My job gives me free range of a sort, as much as you can find nowadays. I'm not sad about it. Maybe a little wistful, I guess. But it's got to happen. It's the only way we'll keep from destroying ourselves. My contention is that male hormones are the ultimate cause of trouble on this planet. It was one thing to dominate another tribe or another warrior. It's quite another to have missiles. It's also quite another to have the power to destroy nature the way we're doing. Uh, so yeah, definitely a lizard person. (laughs) And I don't know why that's not more clear to to everyone. That's supposed to be like his romantic pillow talk, too. Yes! Yes! That's what they talk about during their four-day affair. Yes. Yes. I, I'm gonna flip back. I'm pretty sure that monologue is in bed. 
Nope. They've been sitting on the grass by the pump out back. But probably they had just fucked there. And then had that. <laughs> and also, I like, sometimes we cut things out or whatever to make it uh, easier to read. No changes made there. Like, I, she did not have some kind of interjecting dialogue that we cut out. And also, it goes on for longer. He's just monologuing at her for pages about how men are the worst. <laughs> I think we've wrapped up dramatic readings pretty well. Sounds good. Um, and that that is, it is a very... It's very dramatic. And, uh, yeah, it's a good sampling of what you are not missing at all by not reading this. Yes. So let's move on to Would You Rather. And I'll start. Would you rather fill out Christian Gray's sex paperwork or have Robert Kincaid explain poetry to you? Uh, I believe that I am on the record on this program as actually being a fan of Christian Gray's sex paperwork. So I'm going to go with that. I just think that that is actually, for all that people make fun of him, it is a very clear exacting way to explain consent and lay out what everyone is into and not into and negotiate and uh yeah so i would absolutely rather sit by myself and fill out paperwork as opposed to having robert kincaid sit there and explain poetry to me and how he can't be tamed oh my god same hard same yeah, I'm I'm a much bigger fan of paperwork than I am of men explaining poetry to me. So <laughs> the paperwork actually sounds kind of fun compared to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Plus, Christian Gray would probably buy you some like fancy wine to drink, and Robert Kincaid just brings over a six pack of Bud. So, yeah. All right, next up, would you rather be married to a woman who does not love you or wear a sexy pink dress for you, but does keep your household running smoothly until you die, or be a solo photographer traveling the world with only your dog for company? Hmm. If my wife doesn't love me, but she's keeping the house running for me, am I allowed to have an affair? Uh, only if you're very discreet about it, and then describe it to your children after you die. Um, then I think I'm gonna go with the be married to a woman who doesn't love you, who keeps your household running smoothly, uh, cause that's, I guess, kind of like having a live-in assistant who you're, you know, monetarily connected to, or whatever, um, and also, I am an extrovert and can't be a solo photographer traveling the world because I'd go crazy and I'm allergic to dogs. So, I am mm-hmm. uh, a big fan of indoor plumbing. So, I don't think I would be a solo photographer traveling the world. I'd be okay with being married to a woman who didn't love me as long as I had water pressure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that came out dirtier than I meant it to. Yeah. <laughs> See you out at the pump. Uh, I'd be the solo photographer Uh, my hang up on that scenario is not being alone or the traveling it is the dog I would much rather have an adventure cat which side note if you've never searched for adventure cats on Instagram and that sounds appealing to you definitely do that Um, but you know if I could have like a small dog that could be kind of cat-like, I would probably be okay with that. And, I mean, he totally is having affairs along the way. Like, he's just not married. So I would do that. All right, last up, would you rather get the letter Francesca's kids got after she died, or, like America and Maxon's kids from the selection, have video footage of your parents' reality show Courtship? Uh, I'm going to go with the reality show Courtship, because in the context of the selection, America and Maxon, like, really love each other and have a solid relationship, and an enduring relationship, it just was broadcast on, you know, international television first or whatever. Um, so that seems, you know, that, that I feel like is more of a, oh, look how much our parents love each other even though this crazy woman is ripping our mother's dress off on national television, whereas the other one is like, oh, my mom had an affair and had sex all over our house, and now here's the proof. (laughs) Great. (laughs) 
literally nothing about my how my parents got together. Like when I asked how they got engaged, my mother said, "Oh, the usual way." <laughs> so I, I would definitely pick the footage of reality show courtship rather than the post-death sex letter. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the letter was definitely weird and upsetting. I feel like reality show footage, it could go either way. You know, what if it's, ed- what if, like, your dad got the villain edit and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, I mean, I guess if it really were, like, America and Maxon, then, as Kate said, they were in love and it would be cute. So I guess I'll go with that. Plus, I would rather, as I've mentioned many times, I would much rather watch reality television than read a book. (laughs) (laughs) And that letter she wrote her kids was basically book length. All right. Well, good game, everyone. Let's move on to our reader's advisory, where we'll suggest things to read instead of or in addition to this book. Um, First of all, I want to say, apparently, there is an epilogue to this in addition to the epilogue that is actually in the book. And I think it's really a sequel, but it is called A Thousand Country Roads, colon, an epilogue to the bridges of Madison County. It sounds like garbage, but it exists if for some reason you've read this and are like, I want more of these lizard people. Um, as we said earlier, there is a Broadway musical based on this. Um, I've only heard one song and it got kind of eh reviews, but it was written by Jason Robert Brown, who's pretty great. And uh, Kelly O'Hara and Stephen Pasquale starred in it. And the song that I heard was pretty good, and most of the eh reviews, if I remember correctly, were more about kind of staging and extraneous characters as opposed to, like, the quality of the music, so maybe check that out. Yeah, or, I mean, there's Hamilton, though, so... Yeah, also Hamilton. If you've not heard of that, that's a pretty good show. If you you want a musical about the effects of having an affair, (laughs) check out Hamilton. Well, it's been a while since we did a random, far-reaching Hamilton recommendation. Honestly, this is probably our best one. (laughs) Uh... Also, if you would like to learn more about lizard people and the perils that they represent to society, read any Christopher Pike book. Um, Also, did I... No, I didn't mention this earlier. So I was at a Dar Williams show a couple weeks ago. uh, Probably whenever, no matter when you're listening to this, be it now, six years in the past, five years in the future, I was at a Dar Williams show a couple weeks ago. (laughs) And she was talking about, she told a story about the song Iowa that I had never heard before, which is a rarity in itself. I've heard basically all of her anecdotes where she talks about one of the things that inspired her in writing the descriptions of Iowa in the song Iowa was listening to NPR and hearing, um, it was one of the NPR shows where they just read selections from a book. And it was a description of Iowa was being played on the radio and she changed the channel or she lost the signal before she found out what it was from or who wrote it or whatever. And it inspired her to write the song and she later found out that it was from the ridges of Madison County. So listen to the song Iowa. It's really good and not at all like this book. So some good did come out of this book. Yes. Kate lives in a time loop where no matter when it is, she's always been to a Dar Williams concert a few weeks ago. <laughs> and I probably also am always going to a Dar Williams concert in a couple of weeks. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, um, this one, I saw this one in September, and the last one I had seen prior to that had been in June the year before, and that's the longest I've ever gone between Dar Williams concerts. That must have been so hard for you. It was real difficult. <laughs> Um, speaking of Iowa, by the way, that was one thing I did kind of like about this book was the descriptions of Iowa. It's probably, Iowa's probably the best character in this book. (laughs) Uh, so, Gilead, or Gilead, I hate pronouncing words out loud. I just want to type them. The, Marilyn Robinson wrote a couple books about Iowa, and, uh, or that take place in Iowa, and they're really great and really beautiful descriptions of Iowa. And also the the plot and characters are better than these. 
they're not... I mean, I guess there's sort of some tragic love involved. It's not necessarily a, a good read-alike for this, except for Iowa, and also a good book. Yes. And my recommendation is an essay by Kim French called This Is Not My Beautiful House, about divorcing your terrible husband and not staying in your sadness house for 20 years. Great. (laughs) Uh, I would also throw out there a recommendation for uh, the movies Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, and Before Midnight, which is a much better handle on a story of I had a very brief affair that I chose not to pursue for various reasons and then went on to have a life with someone else that was unsatisfying, except that they're good. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, um, I, yeah, I, I really like the whole trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are good. Um, mostly, I, we sort of conferred, not, this is not really a genre, the sort of, like, literary, in quotes, adult book club book. I don't necessarily read that genre a lot, and none of us do. So to get some true read-alikes, I just put this book into the novelist database and then took the list it gave me. So we'll put that on the website, just if you care. Um, I'm also going to give a shout-out to Eat, Pray, Love by Elizabeth Gilbert, which I have not read personally, but it is a book that I would like to give to Francesca to read, because I feel like she needs that. Like, just get out of here. Just go eat, pray, love somebody else. Robert Kincaid is not the only man-slash-lizard person for you. She has to have family in Italy willing to feed her. Right? right? Oh, did we even mention how she's Italian? Yes. Okay, great. Because she is, and I feel like that should have... Whatever. Let's move on to our candy pairing. We'll have all those books and more on our website, worstbestsellers.com. For my candy pairing, I chose a chocolate rose, one of those, like, hollow roses covered in red foil with a plastic stem, uh, because it's supposedly romantic, but it's just kind of cheap and tacky, and it's not as good as real chocolate or a real rose. It's very well thought out. Oh, I picked... um... Necco wafers, because they're thin and flavorless, <laughs> much like this book. <laughs> uh, mine is not technically a candy, but a, a sweet, and uh, I picked applesauce souffle, which is the thing that Francesca cooks for Robert, and I read that and I was like, what the fuck is applesauce souffle, and I googled it, and there's a recipe, and it just sounds like... Out of all the things, like, why would you cook that? And that's basically, like, how I feel about this book. (laughs) Like, it sounds worse than just applesauce and, like, not as good as, like, apple cake, like, apple pie. Like, there's so many things you could do with apples and you did this. Okay. But also it sounds a little fancier maybe than, like, apple cake. And I think we talked again about how this sort of seems a little bit more literary because, you know, it's a hardback book. It's written by a man. Like, whatever. Fuck this book. Fuck your applesauce souffle. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) And now (laughs) it's time for our favorite game, The Rock Paper Snicked. Where Kate will say who Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book, and I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book, and Liat will choose which would most enhance the book, or choose paper, which is to leave the book as is. Okay. So, if the Rock were in this book, he would be a neighbor of Roberts in Washington. He'd occasionally have a drink with him and watch Highway, who's Robert's dog that he adopts after he meets Francesca, because obviously, as we established during the dramatic readings, if you can't have a woman, you might as well have a dog. They're the same thing. Um, So The Rock will occasionally watch Highway if Robert's out of town and can't take him for whatever reason. You know, they're kind of like on friendly terms, but not BFF or anything. Um, And one time, Robert would break down and tell The Rock all of the details about his love affair with Francesca, um, because it really seems like he does that on the regular. 
but not much about the story overall would change, except that at the end, instead of Highway being lost and then adopted out to some stranger's family, The Rock would adopt Highway, and then they'd go on fun adventures together. And also, he'd send Francesca some nice flowers. That would be nice. I bet Highway would get along with The Rock's other dog. Yes. Alright, well, if Wolverine were in this book, he would be Robert's war buddy, which I don't remember if we mentioned, but he was a photographer in World War II. Anyway, a few years after Robert met Francesca, they'd meet up for a beer, and Robert would tell Wolverine everything about the stupid affair that he had, and Wolverine didn't super care, but because he talked about it so much, it kind of stuck in his memory, and so after Robert died, Wolverine would go just check on Francesca and discover her weird, sad, wistful life, and he would arrange for her to take a trip to Madripoor, which for the listener, if you don't know, is a made-up country in the Marvel Universe, where Wolverine goes sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, you know, it's like tropical. I, would just, I think it'd be nice for Francesca to go there. And also, she would lend a lot of money in a casino there, because Madripoor is kind of like Las Vegas, but shadier. Anyway, she would enjoy the adventure, and would return to Iowa with a renewed appreciation for the Midwest, because it is a lot less shady than Madripoor, but she would also be emboldened to keep traveling, especially with her casino winnings, and maybe she wouldn't just die of sadness quite so quickly. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Wolverine, because I'm so happy that Francesca gets out of Iowa in that one. (laughs) This is a solid choice. (sighs) Good job, There are Wolverine. no losers in rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> <laughs> Except, Except for, for Robert, because fuck that guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Wolverine would drink brandy with her, too. Yeah. Oh, so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what do we think the moral of the story was? I would say the moral of the story is that men really have no idea what goes on in women's heads. And I would say, if you take your kids to the county fair, your wife will fuck the first man she sees after you leave. Mine is, four days of happiness is all a woman can reasonably expect in her lifetime. (laughs) Oh, some sad but true morals. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and now we'll move on to Duarte's Corner, where my cat Duarte will chime in with his opinion. You know, Duarte, you're right. They absolutely should have had some barn cats on that farm. I don't know why they weren't mentioned uh, more prominently. And I understand you wanting Robert to have a cat companion instead of a dog companion, but admittedly, it is a little harder to travel with a cat companion, so I can kind of understand why the book went the dog route, but, you know. No, fuck that. Get an adventure cat. (laughs) (laughs) At adventure cats on Instagram. (laughs) Uh, I would like Robert 10,000 times more if he traveled around with a cat in his backpack. But he didn't, because he's just a fucking pedestrian lizard person. God. All right. Um, thank you, Duarte, for that. And do any humans have any closing thoughts? It was short. Uh-huh. It was short. Uh, it was forgettable. Uh-huh. Agreed. Yep. Uh, maybe the... I think the movie probably is better than this, probably just because Meryl Streep elevated whatever it is she has to do, but I have no interest in watching it, or the musical. I mean, I also feel like it probably works better as a movie or a musical, because Mm -hmm. it takes place over such a short period of time that I feel like if you add actual dialogue, because there's not super a lot, just some conversations between the two of them... It would easily fill, you know, an hour and a half, two hours without having to add a lot of extra fluff or cut out important parts and would probably cut down on a lot of the bullshit monologuing and interior thoughts. Well, the descriptions would translate well, too. I mean, of how pretty Iowa was. I mean, that would be a lot better on screen than it was over pages and pages in the book. Yep, agreed. All right, well... Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. We're worst bestseller with no S. 
because this man that we had an affair with took the S and he's been carrying it around and he will not give it back until he dies. <laughs> uh, you can like us on Facebook where we are the worst bestsellers spelled normally. You can join our Goodreads group. Again, normal spelling, worst bestsellers. You'll find it. You can subscribe to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. If you do, please take a moment to rate and review us. It sort of pops us up further in the listing so more people can find us. Uh, if you don't rate and review us, we'll be forced to sort of half-heartedly like, call your old boss and see if they have your address so that we can contact you. But when they're not really sure, we'll just probably give up. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash worstbestsellers, where uh, if you give us a small recurring monthly donation, you'll have access theoretically to a lot of uh, special donor-only episodes and newsletters and stuff. You'll get all sorts of rewards, and uh, you'll be able to fund us to do more stuff in the future. Yeah. Um, If you're listening to this as it comes out and you are like, I subscribed on Patreon and I haven't gotten anything yet, I'm sorry and we're working on it and it will be soon. We love you. Uh, That said, please do not let that in any way discourage you from supporting us because, like I said, we're working on it. (laughs) Yes, it's only been a month. It's only been a month. We'll have stuff for you in November. Yes. But anyway, you can follow me personally on Twitter at 14 across. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Renata Snacks. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Daisy underscore Razor. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us, Liette. And we will be back in two weeks with our first cookbook, Outlander Kitchen, colon, the official Outlander Companion Cookbook by Teresa Carl Sanders. And uh, right now, just place your bets on how many herbs we're going to have to go buy for this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I grow rosemary in my backyard, so you guys can take some of that if you need it. Sweet. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me. All right. Bye. 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 Fuck this book, fuck your applesauce souffle, goodbye.